This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. information. You think you did one thing, but you actually did another. And all of these things that users are tricked into doing are really, they're not the user's fault, basically speaking. The problem is with the way that the user experience has been composed, the way it's been constructed. A user experience is set up so that a person does something that they really didn't intend to do. They didn't come to the site or log into the mobile app hoping to do what, how, well, the way that things turned out. This is where your dark patterns come into play. We shared a few examples with you last week. We talked about three in particular, three types of dark patterns, I should say. And I gave you some examples in the midst of that. The three types of dark patterns that we talked about, the three types of tricks that are being implemented in user experiences everywhere are the Roach Motel. And yes, if you've heard the old saying that you check in, but you don't check out, that's basically what a Roach Motel, uh, um, why, why it has that name, that people actually try to do one thing, in particular, you sign up for, for something, you subscribe to something, And you have all kinds of problems trying to unsubscribe, trying to cancel, and the experience is set up that way. And a lot of times, someone knows that folks will have a hard time getting out, and they really intend on it being difficult. They're hoping that you give up. They're hoping that they can keep your business some type of way. This is where companies are being dishonest, and they are structuring a user experience to their own benefit when the experience is supposed to favor the user. It's supposed to be catering to the user. Yes, everybody wants to make money. Yes, everybody wants to be successful from a business perspective, but how about this for an idea that you foster success by treating your your users, by treating your customers with dignity and respect? 
<laughs> how about how about that? How about banking on the fact that when people see that you're willing to be transparent and you're willing to be caring and you're willing to be courteous, that that translates into uh, uh, brand loyalty. That that's what we should be aiming for. That's what the user experience professional is supposed to be helping to guide to keep the business from establishing and implementing dark patterns and trying to establish a better experience that's good for the user and good for the business. Something that is mutually beneficial and mutually pleasing. This is what we should be going after. So when it comes to a Roach Motel, if people quote unquote check in, when it's time to check out, how about just letting them check out? Don't don't try to hold somebody prisoner. Don't try to keep somebody's wallet or credit card locked up somewhere so that you you keep getting the money, but they don't. They don't get the benefit. If they don't want it anymore, let them go. Uh, very difficult sometimes to convince stakeholders that that's the way we should operate. Example number two was sneaking something into the basket. And we talked about how that you can go to purchase one thing on a site and the next thing you know, there's something else in your basket, whether it's it's there and it's saying that you need to uncheck the box to remove it. Or in some cases, it'll say, check this box if you don't want to remove it, which is not what people expect at all. That's another dark pattern. And so you only want to buy what you want to buy. You only want to sign up for what you're signing up for. I don't want this extra little, little piece that you threw in here and you present it like you're doing me a favor when in fact you're doing yourself a favor and you're hoping that people don't see it and you get extra revenue. That is a dark pattern. The third dark pattern that we talked about last week was deliberate misdirection. Instances where people are trying to do one thing and the experience sends them in a different direction, hoping that they actually miss (laughs) what's going on that they're not paying attention. And so it's very deceitful. It's, it's purposely trying to use what magicians might call sleight of hand, but it's happening in a digital experience. This type of dark pattern, not good. We don't want to, to trick someone into going somewhere or looking somewhere else while you do something over here. Make sure that you keep everything front and center with your users, make sure that things are clear, make sure you're being honest, make sure they understand where they are in the experience, what's going to happen when they click on something, make sure that everything is matching their expectations and that you are clearly explaining what's taking place. Tricking someone, playing games, being deceitful from a business perspective does not pan out in the long run. So let's keep things honest, straightforward. Now let's talk about a few more experiences. I'll I'll share some more from the UX knowledge base and I'll share a handful of dark patterns that that I have seen and noticed and I've put my name on them just to share with you and try to get everyone to develop more of a sensitivity and an understanding and, and most importantly, a passion to make sure that the user experiences that we design are not inclusive of dark patterns. It it is unethical for us to do so. uh, And we're doing everyone a disservice if we do not push back when these types of things come forth. The next one is a bait and switch. It's where you tell someone that they're going to sign up for something or you, you attract them through some type of a feature, some type of a product, some type of a service, some type of a solution. And then when the person gets there, 
the thing that drew them in is not available and you decide to sell them something completely different. I, as an example, went to sign up for a fast internet connection, a very fast cable internet connection in my neighborhood. I will leave the company uh, anonymous in, in this situation. Some of you will probably figure it out anyway. They talked about how you could get, it was a thousand megabits per second. Yeah, sign up for it, $35. Sign up for it here. Uh, no contract, come on in. Come on and sign up for this great internet service. And so I'm thinking, yeah, that's that sounds like something that I want. And for the price, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. And that's how they get you. It, it seems like a no-brainer, but you have no idea what's lurking for you when you click and you entered this experience. So I clicked and uh, they said, put in your zip code and make sure that the service is available in your area. Of course, the service was not available in my area. I called the number to find out what was going on and to see when I could expect the service in my area. They said, well, you know what? The service isn't available in your area, but we do have uh, a, a dedicated line that we can install to your house and you can get a really fast connection at 25 megabits per second. 25 megabits per second might be something that's interesting for some, but for someone that's a power user on the internet, someone that is dealing with a lot of video, dealing with a lot of multimedia, uh, all types of different, there's, there's a ton of different things that you can do on the internet and, and 25 megabits per second might indeed satisfy some people, but I was already getting 250 megabits per second. Why would I downgrade to something that's going to give me 25 or even 50 megabits per second? Why would I want to sign up for something like that? And no, it's never just about price. Don't be fooled by that. The issue though is the user experience. If you are offering a service and you tell someone, you know it's something that's desirable, you, you have data on it, what does it benefit you to pull a bait and switch maneuver? The salespeople on the line were well-versed. It was scripted. They know that a lot of people are going to call and the service is not available in their area. And I have seen a lot of videos on YouTube for this particular service where it indeed is it, it is available in some areas and folks love absolutely love the service. But this this plan B that the company has in place where when they call, then do this and sell them this and tell them how great it is and blah, 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 blah. It was God awful. It's just a terrible thing for them to try to sell you on 25 or 50 megabits per second. Uh, and then I happened to talk to some people locally who have the service, people who stayed in a single home or an individual home had no problems with the service and they were getting their 25 to 50 megabits per second. But people who had service in apartments were not. I'm in a home, I'm not in an apartment, I'm in a condo, but still 50 megabits per second is not attractive to me and to bait me through the thousand megabits per second and then try to switch me to 50 megabits per second, that simply is not acceptable. Users and customers don't want to be tricked. They don't want to be misled. So we want to make sure 
that that we don't do such a thing. The interesting thing about this particular experience, when you think about it from a UX perspective, is that, and I know some of you out there are, are also CX professionals, this also includes the CX. This is something that extends outside simply of the digital. This is something that CX is, is, is actually the larger umbrella. UX is actually a subset of CX. It's, it's under that realm. It's, UX is usually dealing with something that, that a person is touching, whereas CX is looking at the entire life cycle from the time that a person learns about your business or solution or a product all the way through uh, purchasing the product, getting on board, dealing with customer support, and even funneling back into the purchasing funnel once again. So so this is a little bit outside the grounds, totally. The example I gave you is a little bit outside the grounds of UX, but UX should be pushing back with regard to the way that that experience is structured. If it's if it's not accurate, if it's, I mean, to have people check and see if the service is available first. Yes, this is what we offer, but the whole, hey, we don't have this, but, uh, you know, we don't have uh, an automobile, but how about this skateboard? Can I interest you in this skateboard? Nobody really wants that. There's got to be a better way to put together that experience so that you do not walk people into a, 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 a storm where they're going to be annoyed. Annoyance is pretty much guaranteed for a large uh, percentage of people exposed to that. So we want to we want to avoid the whole bait and switch maneuver. The next one is disguised ads. Have you ever been on a website before or on a mobile phone and all of the say there's a list of articles for you to read? And you go through this, you're scrolling this list of articles and you're looking at the different titles and, and the synopses that appear after each a little summary. And you're trying to decide which one best suits me. What do I want to read? What do I want to uh, delve into right now? And then you come across this another this element on the page that looks exactly like it's structured. Exactly like all the intros, the bold headlines, and the summaries of the articles. It looks exactly like everything else, but it's really not an article. It's really an ad. <laughs> and, and if you click on it, you find out really quickly that it really is an ad and they're trying to sell you something. The chances of that working are not very high. I, I have no idea why somebody thinks that such an, ex, such an experience is, is useful and that it's okay to do this because you're really uh, in a situation where the probability of generating annoyance for your for your customer base or potential customer base is extremely high. Why trick someone? If it's an ad, just show it as an ad. Don't put it out there making it look like everything else because people, nobody appreciates being tricked. So we don't even need to go beyond that to explain that any further. Let's make sure that we that we... Stay away from that. The next one is a roadblock. A roadblock is uh, described by the folks at UX Knowledge Base as a pop-up that basically interrupts what it is that you're trying to do. This can happen anywhere from 
landing on a website and being there for five seconds and then a survey comes up. Would you like to take a survey? And it just sort of jumps out at you. I like to tease and say that it's like somebody jumping out from behind the bushes and scaring you because you went to the site to read an article. You went to the site to look for a product. You went to the site to do some research. And the next thing you know, there's this survey that pops up that blocks everything that you're doing. Now, here's the funny thing. Intercept surveys are a viable type of UX research. However, it must be done in a way where people are not being interrupted. I mean, they're called intercept surveys, but they shouldn't be called or thought of as interrupt surveys. The mental model of a user is not, hey, I'm going to go to this site and see if I can do a little research about these blood pressure devices. I sure do hope a survey pops up. Said no one ever. So intercept surveys are a good source. They're, they're actually a good research mechanism. A lot of people do not opt in. That should be known. However, um, people don't appreciate being interrupted when they're trying to get something else done. People want to do what they came to the site to do, and they would appreciate it if someone extended some courtesy. I, I actually saw an intercept survey before that was very courteous. When you're done, would you mind taking a survey about X? And so they presented it in a way where you keep doing what you're doing, and they also didn't pop it as soon as you get to the site as well. It doesn't pop up. It pops up um, maybe 20, 30 seconds into the experience a bit instead of two to five seconds, which is, which is, I don't know why somebody doesn't see that as being inappropriate, but when that happens, it, at least you can consider it. Maybe you can drag that window to the side, whatever it is, you can do something, but at least you're doing your job and trying to get the data as a researcher, but you're also being more considerate to the users to remember they weren't thinking about you when he came there, didn't even know you existed. How about we approach it that way? So uh, a roadblock, uh, that, that's just one type of roadblock. Sometimes people are trying to do something and there's a window that pops up and it just won't close and it's in the way, it's blocking what you're trying to look at. Why block what people are trying to look at? Uh, there are some newspapers. You go to the website, a very prominent set of newspapers in the Detroit area where I live, where it used to be that you would go to the site. I just want to read on how the Detroit Tigers are doing. I want to see what happened in the MLB draft. I want to see what's going on with the Pistons or the Red Wings or what's going on with Michigan State University. I saw, heard about a great article. I want to read it. And then this, this ad takes over the entire page. It just happened. It, it's almost reminds you of the, of the interrupt survey because it happens pretty quickly. And there are times when this ad will take over the entire page and you cannot see how to get rid of it, how to get past it. it it's not really clear. Eventually I learned you just scroll down and the ad goes away, but it takes a little bit to learn that first year you're, you're frustrated and you, you're upset at the newspaper. You're upset about the brand. Just really, really interesting stuff. All of these things, these dark patterns, these are things that us User experience professionals, it is our job to work to make sure that these things are eliminated 
and that people are treated like the human beings that they are. Respect their lives. Respect what it was they were trying to do when they came to your site. Remember that they have options and then try to give them a reason not to tap into those other options. Here's a handful more as we wrap up today. Something I call the hostage maneuver where people have, they just simply cannot close a window and it forces users to engage with what you've presented before them, a dark pattern. Something I call the Jedi mind trick, or you could call it the flip-flop, where language is flipped so that it appears to mean one thing, but it also means the opposite. Nagging, this is one that a lot of people use this this term uh, out in the wild, where you constantly display a message that a user has already responded to. If they said no a thousand times, they're going to say no for the thousand and first time. Put a cookie on, have, on, on the person's computer to know that they've already responded to it. Let, let's be more considerate than that. And then there's the good old no notice renewal where you get a bill uh, or you get a notice saying that you just got charged $69 for a subscription and you didn't even know that that was coming up. Not letting people know that they're about to be charged is really rude. Let's work to make sure. Don't be afraid that people are going to unsubscribe because they know it's coming. They're going to unsubscribe when they find out if they didn't want it. So let's be courteous to people. This will help us design user experiences that people will delight in. That's all the time we have for today, folks. So this is Darren Hood, your host of the World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.